This is Emmanuel Today, taking steps toward God's possible in your life. It's now time for you to sit back and prepare for insights on your walk with Christ. Let's join today's message right now. Good morning, Emmanuel. How many love Jesus today? You love him? Big shout out to Elk River Maple Grove and everything that's happening online. And of course, pretty soon I'll be welcoming our fourth location in, as I talked about last week, because God is adding to the family. And uh, I'm excited about what God is doing in each of our locations, what God is doing in your life, and what he's doing this summer in our church. You know, everyone needs to know that there is good news in church today. And there's good news because of Jesus. Think about this. No matter what's already gone on in your life, God is patient with everyone, and he will bring us all the points at which we can say to ourselves, our friends, our families, our church, listen, it's time to move forward. And uh, we're in this series called Moving Forward. We're talking about how no matter what part of your life you're in, you can move forward. You don't have to be stuck. Turn to the person next to you and say, you don't have to be stuck. You don't want to have to be stuck. And think about this. Uh, the story of the love of Jesus in people's lives is one of new beginnings. Out of the ashes, God creates new stories. 2 Corinthians 5.17. This means that anyone who belongs to Christ has become a new person. Come on, somebody. The old life is gone and the new life has begun. And there's something powerful about that relationship that is possible with Jesus. Now, God has always sent messages to people to encourage them that there's a new day coming, that possibility exists around the corner. And in last week, we just briefly talked about the need for us to move from our past and into the future. Sometimes our yesterdays stop us from our tomorrows. And so we do need to deal with our yesterday. Sometimes we need to forgive. Forgetting those things which are behind. We looked at the text, the great text in Philippians where Paul was speaking about his own journey. Forgetting those things which are behind. He didn't mean that there wasn't a physical memory of something that happened. But what you do with your memories matters. And sometimes that means forgiving. Forgetting means forgiving for you. Not letting what somebody did to you in the past stop you from moving forward. It's really important that we learn to do that. And then we also talked about how grieving is really a natural tool that God has given us. It's okay if we process the right way. If we drop our guard and we allow God to walk us through, you can make it through the grief of your time, whatever it is that you've lost or whatever it is that you've experienced. And today, we're going to talk about how it, we have to prepare to get ready. Everybody say, get ready. If we're going to move into that next step of moving forward, we have to get ready. And I want you to think about uh, moving forward through this lens. Uh, there's a story about a pilot in World War II. So many, many years ago, his planes were really kind of becoming a part of warfare and, and part of battles and those kind of things. And there's a pilot that they're sit, sitting and interviewing him and they're asking him the question about how he got started flying. And he couldn't forget the moment of his instructor telling him about the cockpit. And all of the things on the dashboard, the compass, you never can forget this. And the altimeter shows you how high you are off the ground. There's another instrument that tells you where you're at on the plane with the earth. 
And one of the things that the instructor said to him is, listen, you gotta learn to trust your instruments because it will determine the direction that you go and there will come a time when while you're flying, everything in you, your feelings say you need to do one thing and the dashboard says something different. And you have to learn to trust the dashboard and not your feelings. What a metaphor for this hour in world history. Because there are so many things pulling at us, tugging at us, information going in our brain that is like causing us to feel certain things. I've often said that the more you think about something, the more you feel it. If you think about something that's bad news for long enough, guess where your emotions go? They follow the bad news. Whatever you're thinking about becomes a part of your feelings. If you think about it for long enough and you feel it for long enough, then it becomes a part of your heart. And this is why when it comes to following the word of God, it is absolutely essential that we know what the word of God says because that's our dashboard. And we need to learn to trust the Lord in his presence and his voice, not just our feelings. Can I get an amen to that? It's important for us to learn to do that. And today, I want us to learn from an incredible example of how God leads us out of our past and moves us forward into his promises. I want you to turn with me to Joshua chapter 3. It's in the Old Testament. Joshua chapter 3. It'll be on your app. If you have the Emmanuel MN app, you can get it from any of the, the stores that you work from on your phone. And uh, you can pull that down, get Emmanuel MN, and you can follow our message notes on Sundays. Or you can pull out the old-fashioned Bible. How many have a Bible with you, whether it be electronic or paper? Let me see it. Just rave it. Yeah, there we go. Joshua chapter 3, great moment in church and world history. It says there in verse 1, early the next morning, Joshua and all the Israelites left Acacia Grove and arrived at the banks of the Jordan River where they camped before crossing. And three days later, the Israelite officers went through the camp, giving these instructions to the people. When you see the Levitical priest carrying the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord your God, move out from your positions and follow them. And since you have never traveled this way before, they will guide you. Stay about a half mile behind them, keeping a clear distance between you and the Ark, and make sure you don't come any closer. What we have is a moment in Israel's history. For those of you that are not familiar, let me catch you up real quick. Go Genesis, God creates the heavens and the earth and people. Then people grow, and of course there's a whole bunch of stories in between, and Noah and the ark, and some amazing stories. But then God begins to speak to an individual named Abraham. He says, I want you to come and follow me. And Abraham follows this new voice, and it's God Almighty speaking to him. And he follows God. Abraham becomes the father of faith. His grandson becomes the first per person, his name was changed from Jacob to Israel. And that's where we get the name Israel from. Israel becomes a millions of people, becomes a great nation. And at one point, to escape the famine of the land, they had to move into Egypt. When they moved into Egypt, they then lived for several hundred years in Egypt. Eventually, it wasn't just as immigrants, they became slaves to the, the ruling powers of Egypt. And then God begins to hear the cries of the people that say, I don't wanna live in slavery anymore. And he begins through a series of events through a guy named Moses 
leave the people of Israel out of Egypt across the Red Sea on dry land and into a wilderness or a desert. When they're in the desert, there's 40 years of, of wandering through the desert. The Israelites lived in tents and the only thing that they had was an ark that was built that God gave instructions for that represented the presence of God. There was a tabernacle and in the tabernacle, that's where people were uh, presented as priests to go and meet with God on behalf of the people. They had supernatural things like a fire at night to protect them and a cloud by day to lead them. And there was supernatural uh, relationship between Israel and God. At one point, they were supposed to go into this promised land that God was talking about that was north and west of them, and they were supposed to go. And so they sent these spies into the land, and uh, 12 of them, as a matter of fact, and 10 of them came back and said, we can't do it. The people in, the, in this land are too big, and we're too small. But there were two people named Joshua and Caleb. They said, no, we can do this. But, of course, the people followed the ten bad words, the news that was in their head, and their feelings told them that they can't step into the promises, and so they wandered. So during all of those 40 years, there's something powerful that happened. The people that did not believe in God actually died off. A whole generation died because they didn't believe in God. And then a new generation arose, and then Moses steps off the scene, and by the time we get into Joshua, Joshua is now the leader, and God says, now it's time to go into the promise. And he takes all of Israel, and he's now giving them instructions, and he says, I want you to get ready, because tomorrow we're going to cross the river. The river was at flood stage. It wasn't a little creek that you could jump across. This thing was deep and it was flowing and God was going to do a new miracle. He'd done it all those years before, now he's gonna do it again. Only he's gonna do it in a new way with new people. And I want you to know this today, it's our responsibility too, to be ready to move into where God wants to take us next. Parents, school is starting this fall, like it or not. Hybrid or not, mask or not. All the other things that are going on, it's time to move. Can I get an amen to that? So you can't just sit there frozen and critiquing everything that's going around you. God is going to move you and your family forward. Business leaders, people that are in the professional fields, those of you in your jobs, it's time to move forward and stop whining. It's time to leave the wilderness and go where God wants us to go. Life doesn't wait on the wounded. It's unfortunate, but it is true. Now, it was, it was several months ago that I, I had COVID. And when I got COVID, everybody's got different uh, symptoms and those kind of things. I had the fever, it went up and down, and, and, but I got the brain fog afterwards. And I was tired and all of that. One of the things that I was also quarantined away from everybody else, I remember sitting in the basement and Jody would bring the food down to a landing between the upstairs and the basement. She would leave it on a table and she'd go upstairs. And I was like, I'm so alone. I just go get my food and go back and watch Netflix, you know, or something. 
And one of the things I discovered is when my, my quarantine was over and I came out, everybody else had moved on. They weren't thinking about me. They still had life. And I'm not just talking about my family, I'm talking about everybody else in the rest of the world. Y'all still had church. People still did their business. They still went shopping. The rest of the world kept moving. Life doesn't wait on the wounded. And sometimes if we're in our victim mode, we want everybody else to camp out when we're hurting. Unfortunately, real life says that's not what happens. So at some point in time, you need to go, it's time to get ready to move. It's time to leave the basement. Turn to the person next to you and say, it's time to leave the basement. <laughs> Now, to get ready requires three essential preconditions, all right? Three essential preconditions if you're going to get ready to move. The first one is this, presence before movement. I was talking about the ark here, okay? Presence before movement. Verse number three, giving these instructions to the people, when you see the Levitical priest carrying the ark of the covenant of the Lord your God, move out from your positions and follow them. When you see the priest carrying the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord. The Ark was this box, if you will, that housed three items inside of it. It had the tablets or the Ten Commandments we often would think of that Moses got when he came down from the mountain. Uh, Aaron's rod that sprouted that represented the leadership and how God's fruitfulness was in his appointed leaders. And the jar of manna because they were fed daily by manna while they were in the wilderness all these years. So it represented how God's provision would be with the people, how God's leadership could be trusted, and how God's law was like the dashboard to keep them on the right pathway. Those were all in the Ark of the Covenant. Now I want you to catch here in, in this story that we all come to a point in our own faith journey where we need to make decisions just like those Israelites had to. And for them, they needed to follow the presence before they did anything else. They needed to follow the presence. And we all come to that point in our journey where we need to do that. And it doesn't matter what generation you're from, you need to learn to point your direction and your attention to follow the leader, which is the presence of God. Not your favorite website, not your favorite commentator in, on the news, not people around. Even prophets need to be subject to the word of God. So we need to all follow God's word, his presence, and get behind it. And it doesn't matter what generation you're in. In fact, I got some friends that are here to help me out. You guys could come on up right now. Um, there's different generations that are going to be represented up here uh, with me today. And I was thinking about our church and how 20 21 and uh, the whole era that we're in, how we're all going through kind of a different season, how we perceive what's happening in life and, and the economy and the news and our own decisions. And, uh, and so on the platform, I've got different generations. First, I have the boomer generation. Now I'll add, I'll kind of combine the boomers with the builders because there's still builders, the greatest generation around, all right? But the boomer generation 
essentially was this generation that was post-World War II. It was massive, and everything they did controlled what the rest of society did. When, when the boomers went into family, uh, having kids age, guess what? That, that's when automobile companies started making minivans, because <laughs> they all kind of followed behind these great consumers. There's a lot of characteristics about the boomers. I love the boomer generation. It's my parents' generation. Uh, the boomers, uh, great people. They, they worked hard. They knew how to play. The, um, when it came to church, uh, they were committed to church. Uh, they were in with church. And then as the, they grew older and they had more money, they built the church. A lot of the buildings that you are in church today were financed by the boomer generation. And so they're a great, give it up for the boomers in the house, all right? Then, then their babies were the Xer generation, okay? Gen X, born somewhere about 1970 to 1980-ish in there, was a much smaller generation. I'm one of those generations, I often like to say that we're the forgotten generation, all right? Because we were smaller and we were skipped over by, we we're kind of sandwiched between two really big generations. And, uh, but the Xers watched and observed how their parents worshiped, how they spent time, what their priorities were. And the Xers determined that they wanted to do something a little bit more or better than their parents. Now, every generation reacts to the previous generation. We think we can do it better, right? And uh, when it comes to to the Xers, we wanted to spend more quality time alone with our kids, and so we prioritized family above church, and we prioritized family above job, and we prioritized kind of our own stuff above everything else, and that, in general, is how, a, how it is kind of a reaction because we felt like we didn't get enough time with our fam parents' generation. Now, then you've got the millennial generation, okay? And Jeremy represents that, and so does Julia. And uh, the, the millennial generation uh, now are in their 20s and 30s. And uh, there's been a lot of commentary by these two generations about the millennial generation. Uh, and it's just so funny because that's what they do. Every generation critiques another generation because they think their own is the best. Well, with the millennial generation, they just wanted to have fun, right? And they didn't want to just follow the, the, what everybody else has done for centuries. They wanted to create their own world, their own pattern, their own life balance. So when it comes to what they do with their time, who they commit to, it's never permanent. So this generation is essentially saying, I'm going to do what I want to do for now, but I'm my own company. I may work for an organization, and I only may work for them for a little while, but I'm my own, I'm portable, all right? And they've approached that when it comes to worship. They've done the same thing. They're the on-demand church work generation. When it comes to worship, they'll go to five churches. They'll listen to Stephen Furtick online. They might listen to me, all right? When it comes to worship, they just have different ways of approaching it and thinking about it. And then we have the Z generation, the, the teenagers of today, and now there's some of them already in college. And Generation Z 
grew up with a phone. And uh, if their parents let them. <laughs> and and uh, so everything that they see is through a smaller world. These generations, they watched everything on, on the TV, right? These generations begin to move towards seeing things on the phone. They interact on the phone. Many of them don't know how to talk face to face because everything is on the phone. And that's how they've been trained. Is it their fault? Absolutely not. It's a part of the dynamic of the church, okay? That, that's where they're at. Generation Z has a, a blank slate. Many of them are plain looking for mentors because everything is assumed. They don't even have to learn how to spell now because there's autocorrect. So literally, they don't, they, this generation didn't learn cursive. This generation didn't learn some of the things previous generations learned. And some people might critique them and go, they don't know how to work and whatever, whatever. No, they know how to make money different ways. And they, they know how to utilize YouTube as a financial channel. They're in the, the era of their own brand. Kids are growing up and mom and dad have celebrated their successes on Instagram. And it's all about them. But somewhere inside of them, they're like, my mom and dad are celebrating me. People all see the good stuff about me, but why, why don't I feel good on the inside? And I'm telling you, every generation is processing the pandemic through a different lens, the governmental changes through a different lens, the economy through a different lens. And here's my point today. By the way, there's a whole other generation coming up. Generation COVID. <laughs> they were born in this, right? They, they don't remember pre- there's gonna be a whole different generation come up. Here's the thing, all the generations are meant to be in the same family, just like Israel. And we all need to prepare to put our attention not on our devices or our uniquenesses from our generation, but utilizing what we know, we need to turn our attention towards the presence of God. Because listen, the newest revelation, the newest research, the newest thing that comes out of the CDC, the newest things that comes from our universities, the newest, coolest social media fad, the TikTok of the next generation, everything that you can go to right now isn't giving the answers. The only true, trustworthy answer you can get is from the presence of God. Can I get an amen to that? You guys can go ahead and sit down. Would you give it up for all of my helpers today? See, this is what I want you to catch no matter what generation you're from. From Genesis to Revelation, God speaks to people and he joins us in our crazy world. He's interested in our homes, our jobs, our neighborhoods, our friendships. God, the creator, wants to be with his people. And the ark and the law were pathways to worship and meet with God. In other words, it wasn't just we don't need a present-day physical ark of the covenant because we have Jesus. Jesus made a way for us to meet directly with him. When you follow Jesus... He takes our sin and he removes our sin so we can have direct access to God. And if that's the truth, then we need to think in terms of how do I orient my life around the presence of God? 
You know what I think? I think in this day and age, Sunday morning is not enough. I think it's important. I think it's absolutely critical that we gather together. Something happens when you come to church. I have talked to so, I've talked to hundreds of people at Emmanuel who were gone for whatever period of time when the lockdown we went through last year, many that didn't come back until some point this year. Every single week I meet somebody, this is their first weekend back. But there's something special when you do come back that you forgot about. When you're beginning to worship the Lord and the presence of the Lord hits you. There's something powerful that happens. I think it also needs to be translated into how we live our lives on Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday. In other words, how can I get my life around the presence outside of the sanctuary? How can I make my business decisions after having spent time with the creator who has a plan for my life and knows what's best? How can I get wisdom from the one that can navigate through things that I can't? How can I walk by faith instead of by sight? I can do it by the presence of God. Let me just ask you those questions in your family, in your business, in your finances. Are you relying on others or are you relying on his presence? What are you following? What are you following? Your good ideas, your own feelings, your appetites, your bully voices that are pressuring you to do certain things. Friends, we need the presence of God before we move. You know, this, they used to call this old-fashioned ta- old uh, time, quiet time with the Lord, devotional time, whatever you want to call it. But when you get up in the morning, before you get everything else popping into your head, before you open that phone up, you need God's presence. And whatever you got to do to get there, you got to go there. If you, see, if you have never listened to worship music, you can get it on every platform now. Pop on the worship. I don't care what generation you're from or what style you like. There's good worship out there. It's on you to go get it. It's on you to say, I need God's presence. I don't feel him right now. I don't know where he's at right now, but I got to go to the presence. I got to follow the presence. Can I get an amen to that? Secondly, you need to have consecration before action. Presence before movement consecration before action. Then Joshua gives specific instructions to the people in verse five. Look at verse five. It says, then Joshua told the people, purify yourselves for tomorrow the Lord will do great wonders among you. Tomorrow the Lord will do great wonders among you. Purify yourselves. Purify. What does that mean? In the Bible, this is really consecration. Consecration always preceded the supernatural. Remember Moses, when Moses is on the mountain and God's about to call him and, and, and he's kind of on witness protection program in Egypt somewhere because he had murdered somebody when he was younger and uh, now he's uh, kind of forgotten and God says, no, I want to use Moses to lead Israel out and he meets him on a mountain, shouts to him or whispers or talks to him out of a bush and he says, Moses, Moses. And then Moses says, yes, speak, Lord. Your servant is listening. I'm right here. Yes, Lord, here I am. And uh, God says, take off your sandals. This is holy ground. 
You can see it over and over without, throughout the entirety of the scripture. What was happening is when you're going to meet with the presence, you think about what you've got going on inside of here first. And so th there needs to be that sense of purity. Now, purity isn't required to know Jesus. It's by grace that we're saved. But we are living in an impure world. And so when we want to meet with God, we need to deal with the impurities that we've picked up. We need to filter that out so that we can meet with a God who is holy, who has no sin. The way the psalmist talked about that was in Psalm 24 when he says, who may climb the mountain of the Lord? Who may stand in his holy place? Only those whose hands and hearts are pure who do not worship idols and never tell lies. They will receive the Lord's blessing and have a right relationship with God, their Savior. Such people may seek you and worship in your presence, O God of Jacob. There's a sense of purity that is required. That's consecration. Consecration is making or declaring something to be sacred. I don't know about you, but you are a child of God and you are sacred in his sight. When you turn around and want to follow his leadership, you need to declare yourself to be sacred. Set apart. I'm not like everybody else. I'm a child of God. And if I want his leadership, I need to be okay with the fact that not everybody else is going where I'm going. I'm going to follow his presence. America has believed the lie that we deserve God's blessing without obeying his voice. Let me say that again. America has believed the lie that we deserve God's blessing without obeying his voice. You can't read through the Bible and not see that God cares about what you do with your time, with your body, and with your relationships. And I'm not just talking Old Testament. Throughout the New Testament, we need to look at our lives and what we do and follow the instrument panel. Because if we do, we won't crash. Americans want partial follow. I want you, Lord, but I want to do my thing. I want your blessing, but it's my body. But if we are the Lord's temple, we are the Lord's temple. We want God to bless our kids, our business, without following his direction for our lives. Listen, God's love is unconditional. His blessings are not. Paul warned Timothy in 2 Timothy 3. You should know this, Timothy, that in the last days there will be very difficult times. For people will love only themselves and their money. They will be boastful and proud and scoffing at God and disobedient to their parents and ungrateful. They will consider nothing sacred. They will be unloving and unforgiving. They will slander others and have no self-control. They will be cruel and hate what is good. They will betray their friends, be reckless, be puffed up with pride and love pleasure rather than God. They will act religious but they will reject the power that could make them godly. Stay away from people like that. The last days are here. What is sacred in your life? 
Who has influence over you? I say we search for what God really says in the Bible. I've become aware just over the last 15 years that as a believer, that we learn more from our songs than we do from the word. It's amazing to me, but songs stick to us. So you better make sure that the word is in the songs you're listening to. But I think there's also a danger in this moment. There are voices that sound Christian that are telling you things to do and not do and what's okay and what's not okay. And they kind of sound Christian, so we think they're biblical. But if you don't know the Bible, you don't know the difference. It is absolutely critical that you personally read the word. From Genesis to Revelation every January to December, there has to be something that says, I've got to know the word. I want to know what God really says. Not just what my pastor says. Not just what the podcast says. Not just the people that are critiquing the church right now say. And there's lots of people critiquing us, right? But you know what? I'm not worried about the critics outside. I'm worried about the critic who knows the word and is my pathway into my future. (laughs) Got to listen to the word. Number three, and I'm almost done. Trust before miracles. Trust before miracles. It's an essential for us to have trust before we see the miracles, Joshua 3, okay, the time comes for them to cross. It says, so, verse 14, so the people left their camp to cross the Jordan, and the priests were carrying the Ark of the Covenant went ahead of them. It was the harvest season, and the Jordan was overflowing its banks. But as soon as the feet of the priests who were carrying the Ark touched the water at the river's edge, the water above that point began backing up a great distance away at a town called Adam, which is near Zarethan. And the water below that point flowed onto the Dead Sea until the riverbed was dry. Then all the people crossed over near the town of Jericho. They need a miracle because the river's at flood stage. So they begin to follow God in obedience. The priests go out into the water, and as they go out, something else is happening because they are obedient. They couldn't see it in this moment, but God has already set the miracle in motion. Because they were obedient and doing what God had told them to do, God, a miles up the river, was stopping up the river so that eventually there would be no water in the way. I want you to know that when you follow Jesus and you're obedient and you do what he says, you don't always feel the immediate impact. Being a Christian doesn't always give you the feel goods every moment of every day. You're going to go through suffering, the scripture says. You're going to go through difficult times. But just because you're experiencing suffering, just because it doesn't feel good right now, does not mean your miracle isn't on the way. Your miracle is on the way when you learn to stay obedient and God is already setting things into motion upriver. But you follow the presence of God. You consecrate yourself, set apart to the Lord, and you will discover that as you step, there's going to be ground to to walk on. God will move the water out of the way. I don't know what your obstacles are in your story, the things that are confusing and seem overwhelming. I don't know what things are kind of in your way today, but I do know this, 
that if you'll just follow the presence, if you'll just surrender your heart to the Lord, believers, if you just begin to go, oh, I can't get from the world what I can get from God. If you're just willing to linger a little bit longer in his presence as you follow him, God's doing the work for you. All you gotta do is be obedient and spend time in his presence. The river is already being stopped once we obey because the miracle is on its way. We need to refocus on his presence and our plans will come out of his presence. So get ready, church. Presence before movement. Consecration before action. And trust before miracles. Would you stand with me today? Very quickly, just close your eyes on each of our locations. We're gonna worship in a moment. I'm gonna challenge every single person, no matter where you're at in your journey, to give this a shot, to turn and follow the presence of God and to trust in God and to do things his way. And I just believe that you can trust him. You may not trust me, but you can trust the Lord. But before we do that, I wanna give an opportunity. If you've came to church today or you're joining us online or you're in Elk River, Maple Grove, and you just came to church, but Honestly, you haven't been following God. You wanted God to be an add-on to your life. He's not your Lord and Savior, and you need Jesus. Why don't you close your eyes in each of our locations, nobody looking around. If you're here today and you need to give your life to Jesus or you need to come back to him, just real quick, I wanna pray with you. But you know you need to turn around, you need to pivot. You need to surrender to Jesus right now, and that's you. Just put your hand up and say, that's me. That's me, Pastor Nate, I need to give my life to Christ. Yeah. I need to get back. I need to follow him. I need to come. Yes, 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 yes. I see a dozen hands already in Spring Lake Park. I know they're going up in Maple Grove and Elk River. Maybe you can throw your hand up on the chat, on the, online. You can follow Jesus. And if you're right now, you just know God is speaking to you. You need to turn in your heart to follow Jesus. I want to lead you in a prayer. And you can just pray this prayer out loud. And those of you that raise your hand, just pray this prayer. Repeat it after me and everybody else. You can join in as well. Say, Jesus, thank you for loving me so much that you came to the earth and died on the cross for my sin. I know you rose from the dead and are alive right now. I surrender to you. I ask you to take over and be my leader, and I will follow you for the rest of my life. In Jesus' name, amen, amen, amen. Somebody give the Lord some praise. Thank you for listening to Emmanuel Today. You can learn more about the various ministries that Emmanuel offers and see Sunday services live every week check out emmanuelcc.org for details. Please be sure to tell others about this broadcast that they could enjoy next week at this same time.